Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. I am your host, Art Tomasetti, and hopefully your summers are off to a good start and you've got the Mungo Jerry cranking on the stereo. But remember, stay hydrated, use sunscreen, and if you plan on spending any time in the ocean, please keep in mind that you may not be in that comfy place at the top of the food pyramid. Okay, enough of that. I'm going to jump right into this month's focus as we've got something a little bit different. Now, usually I have one or two people join me for the podcast, but last month at the Flight Test Safety Workshop, we recorded an episode with 150 people participating. Now, I'm not sure if that is a record. We'll have to check with the folks at Guinness. But what I did was presented slides to queue up a topic that we could discuss and fielded comments from the audience. Now, since you can't see the slides, I do describe them in enough detail to give you the picture. If you are imagination challenged, however, there is a link to the slides in the show notes. Now, you will hear what the audience said, but I would love to hear your thoughts on them as well. So feel free to put your ideas in the comments section so that others can benefit from what you're thinking. All right, you ready? Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Art Tomasetti, your host, and welcome to this month's edition of the Flight Test Safety Podcast. This is a little bit unique podcast today. We're going to try something a little bit different. Today, I am being joined by Okay, if you're wondering, yes, I had everybody introduce themselves by saying their first name. And this was actually pretty amazing because we started at one corner of the room and as fast as people could do it, saying their name, turning to the person next to them, we went through all 150 people without one mistake, without anybody getting skipped and without anybody delaying and forgetting it was their turn to talk. So let's go ahead and skip to the end in the interest of time. Holy crap. Give yourself a round of applause. Outstanding. Wow, I seriously didn't think that was going to work. Okay. So, so here's the other, so there's a couple benefits of doing this is A, I needed a podcast episode, so this is going to help me out with that thing. The other thing is, I don't know if, uh, if you're ever listening to the podcast and you wonder what I'm wearing when I'm doing the podcast, and I'm just terrified of that being open-ended like that. So now, at least for this group, anytime you think about what I'm wearing during the podcast, this image will come to your mind, which I'm very comfortable with. So that being said, here we go. So... I'm always interested in paying attention to the world around me. And when I see things, I, I use everything I've learned in my aviation experience to try to make sense of those things. So we've talked about risk mitigation, right? And, and my question is, when we see something, when we see something and, it, and it's telling us to do something, Think of like maybe an emergency procedure tells you to do something in response to something going wrong, right? Um, this sign, and for the audience listening to the podcast, what I've shown is uh, your typical temporary uh, traffic sign that, is, that usually says traffic ahead, and what I've shown here is one that says use caution. So how many of you, when you see a sign like that, does that give you enough information on what to do? No. Just sure. No, it does not give you enough information on what to do. So in the town of Niceville, Florida, where I reside, we don't use that sign. Our sign says, traffic ahead, use extreme caution. Now that's better 
right? So it's, oh, it's not just caution, it's extreme caution. So someone who will now wait for the mic to get your chance to be a solo star on the podcast, what would you do if you saw the sign that said, use extreme caution? How would you change your behavior from the other sign that just said, use caution? If the thing that came up first was construction or traffic ahead. State your name and organization. Uh, Dunes with uh, Boeing Company. And uh, I guess I would heighten my scan um, looking for specific hazards on the road. Okay, heightened scan. So, so extreme caution would say, well, maybe I'm gonna be a little bit more scanning because I'm, I'm now, my, uh, my spidey senses are elevated just a little bit. Anybody else? Darren from Boeing, and this is one of my pet peeves as a motorcycle rider. You often see whatever state you're in, motorcyclists use extreme caution and I roll my eyes and gun it. <laughs> okay, so, so let's talk about, um, we, I mentioned emergency procedures, right? So we have emergency procedures that tell us to do something. And I came across an interesting one and I was trying to relate it to this deal. So imagine if you had an emergency procedure and let's say it's a yellow light that comes on and we all know what yellow means relative to green and red, right? So a yellow light comes on, but the emergency procedure says, consider aborting takeoff. Okay. Um, do we say that emergency procedures fill a square as risk mitigation? Yes or no? Yes, so most people are nodding their head. Yes, if you, I mean, we carry big booklets or they're on the glass now in, in modern airplanes of, of emergency procedures that we take with us that are what we do to respond to something bad happening. So would it surprise you that in my hypothetical example, which is not so hypothetical because it's actually based on a real thing, that yellow caution where the action was consider aborting the takeoff, there was a red light that was the next kind of next thing down the path of the failure of that system. So it went from I've lost redundancy, so now it doesn't work, or maybe it's gone to a fail safe mode. But the procedure for the red light, you know what it said? Consider aborting takeoff. Is that emergency procedure, use extreme caution. Is that really checking the block as a risk mitigation anymore? Thoughts from the crowd, wait for the mic. Uh, Jason from the FAA. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I would say it does not fulfill the need because the difference between amber and red would be the urgency of pilot action and and so you would have considering it would okay i considered it so what right so it should be you have to abort or something affirmative something more directive right use Correct. extreme caution yeah. is interesting and it sounds good it's different than use caution but is it really telling me what to do? Is it really serving that role as a risk mitigation? So listeners, what do you think? Is use extreme caution for a road construction sign better than just use caution? Does it change your behavior, heighten your risk awareness? 
Or is it too over the top and maybe it desensitizes you to the hazards? Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves for a few minutes. Uh, if you're by yourself, um, probably best not to talk to yourself out loud, especially if you're in a public place and you tend to disagree with what you say every now and again. All right, let's move on to the next one. So let's talk about, do probabilities really play in to how we behave? How many people have seen, and for the audience listening at home, I've moved on to the next slide, which is a falling rocks uh, sign. How many people have seen a falling rocks, maybe not this one, so most everybody in the room. Uh, so someone who raised their hand, please wait for the mic, please tell me what you did when you got to that falling rocks sign. Uh, Tom Fields with Boeing, uh, I prayed, that's all you can do. You prayed, okay. So you invoked a higher authority, okay, good. Over here, Mo. Uh, Mo Gerard, Textron Aviation, I think I did what probably the vast majority of people do is just kept going. Just Same kept speed. going. Yep. And, and did you keep... And, and maybe look up. Right. You looked up. Okay, yeah. so that's good. But did you keep going? And I'm, I'm going to guess that's probably what most people do, right? Did you keep going because somewhere in your brain, you did a probability assessment and you did the severity versus likelihood calculation and figured out where you fell on that matrix? Uh, show of hands if that's what you did. You kind of did your behavior based on there being a probability. Okay. And listeners, most people are raising their hands. So for all of you who said, I continued to go based on the probability that this was not going to happen at the precise time that I was in the zone of whatever that was. Sir. GPS, I wonder what the reaction would have been if there had been a rock in the median line. Yeah. So yeah, if there had been a rock there, that might have changed your probability assessment a little bit, right? Um, but again, like I said, most of us do that. But Anybody who has been in the flight test world for a while, um, you have probably encountered or perhaps you know someone who has encountered and been uh, a person who was the recipient of the one times 10 to the minus really big number event happening to them. So if you know, and again, we all know somebody eventually wins the lottery despite what the odds are. But why is it that we know that the one in whatever can occur, and no, many of us, it's happened to us, or we know people who have it, but in a situation like this, in an everyday situation, isn't it interesting that we do this probability assessment and decide to go on? I'm using these common, real-world, non-airplane examples because they're relatable, but does the behavior we do in our everyday lives carry over into what we do in the aviation side? of our lives. Okay, next one. Um, limits. Do we believe that limits are a way of mitigating risk? Yes or no? Yes, everyone's nodding for the audience at home. Everyone is nodding their head. Yes. Okay, so limits are generally something that, that we accept as something that mitigates risk. So you, for the next 10 seconds, uh, are now put in charge of a large flight test organization. And it's such a large flight test organization that you have facility, flight test facilities scattered around the globe. You are getting ready to start a new program at location X. You are given a flight tester 
from one of your other locations, joins the team, is put on your team, and you're about to go embark on a test. But you learn through whatever channels that this particular tester has a history of ignoring limits. What do you do? Do you just continue the test? Oh, we got a one here. Dave Lundowski from Bardier. So, you know, if, if we had somebody coming down that either had a reputation or came from a department that maybe didn't sync up with the same, uh, I guess, adherence to rules as we had, we, we'd probably try to do a briefing right at the beginning. Absent that, it would just be, you know, try to monitor closely and watch for the behavior before you, uh, before you stepped in. Okay, so I, I think that's fair, and maybe we could all agree that you, you might try to do some, hey, I'm going to put a little extra effort into a brief or trying to provide some guidance and direction. This is how we do things here. Make sure you're familiar with, and then maybe there's some increased monitoring, right? So remember I said that this flight tester you found out had a history of violating limits, So for the audience at home, what I've just put up is a 55 mile an hour speed limit sign. And I will tell you from looking out at the crowd, I've got laughs, I've got the oh my, I've got the, the sort of surprise look, like, oh, that's where you're going. Because there's limits that matter and there's limits that don't matter, right? Or wrong? Does how we behave in our everyday life have any bearing on how we behave in our aviation life? I don't know. So the answer is yes. I mean, this is, this is a great one. I get a lot of mileage out of showing a slide like this because it's one everybody can relate to. Um, there was a survey done by the National Transportation Safety Board, and they asked people, you know, how many people would say that speeding is dangerous? And 80 Five, eighty-six, something, some very high number of people said that yes, they agreed that speeding was dangerous. But when that same crowd was asked how many of you speed, sixty-five percent of the people replied that yes, they speed. So that kind of like, well, wait a minute, if that's dangerous, but is is why do we accept ignoring the fifty-five mile an hour speed limit sign? What? Somebody tell me what is the danger? that you think of, of exceeding that limit? Rod, flight test safety and consultants, uh, because of the history, that, sign, that, fit, that limit came for saving fuel, and uh, it has no bearing on the, on the, uh, the danger of uh, driving over that limit. Okay, so, so thank you. So it's, it's, you know from your research, your knowledge, that that is not a safety-related limit. Pete Donath, FAA, the, the hazard with that is getting a ticket and going to get special high-intensity training. And the reason we take that risk is we haven't briefed the THA go around the 55-mile-an-hour speed limit. Okay. <laughs> okay, listeners, do you agree with the member of the audience who said 55 is not a safety limit, it's a fuel efficiency limit, and therefore the risk of exceeding it is different? Well, what if I had shown a 70 mile per hour speed limit sign? Now, not implying, of course, 
that you, our podcast faithful, ever exceed these limits regardless of the number. Snap, snap, green, green, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, sorry no more. But there are a couple things to think about with this one. First, how would you handle a member of the team who regularly exceeds limits? Even non-critical one. And I am air quoting right now. And second, are there some limits it's okay to ignore? Okay, the last one. Is it really dangerous if everybody else is okay with it? So for the audience at home, what I have just put up is a picture from Star Trek, the original series with Captain Kirk and a bunch of individuals in red shirts. I can't tell you their names because they won't live till the end of the episode, but they're all okay with going down on the landing party. I think maybe one of them looks a little nervous, but they're not gonna say anything. Is a risk mitigation, it's okay because everyone else says it's okay? This kind of goes to what we were talking to before of that junior person who maybe because they have a different perspective, maybe because they're fresh out of school, maybe because they're fresh out of training, recognizes something but doesn't say anything or doesn't want to say anything because they're not the senior person in the room, they're the junior person in the room. Keith Gittemeyer, Textron Aviation. So it kind of goes back to the, the speed limit as well, right? If everybody's saying it's safe, obviously they've been through it before and they've done it before, therefore, well, obviously it's safe because everyone around here has done it and they're telling me I should be safe doing this. Okay, fair enough. Other thoughts? Got one in the back. Chris, U.S. Air Force. I think this goes back to the CRM training we were talking about previously and not just the PowerPoint, but the in scenario and giving people the opportunity to practice taking courage and speaking up. Okay, good deal. Any others? This is uh, Dunes again from the Boeing Company. I wonder if any of the red shirts have ever gotten yelled at for speaking up. So have we rewarded people for speaking up and pointing things out like, hey, I think statistics are showing that wearing a red shirt is bad and uh, <laughs> you know, going from there. I mean, you would think, right, that, hey, you know, every time the landing party goes down, uh, the captain, Spock, and McCoy always come back. But the red shirt people, for some reason, never, never make it on the transporter pad coming, coming back. All right, great. This has been fun. We'll move on to the panel in the interest of time. Thank you for helping me with my next episode of the podcast. Again, if you have other thoughts on this that you want to get in, send them to me via email and we will get those into the podcast. Thanks for your help. So that was certainly different, and it actually was a lot of fun. See what you miss if you don't attend the workshop. As I told the audience after completing that perfectly executed 150-person roll call, generations from now, minstrels will sing songs about their achievement. And we actually did get a few email comments after the session, uh, one on this last topic of everyone does it, so it must be okay. John from Southwest said, it's possible that everyone knows that the mitigation is, um, let me substitute the word balderdash in here. Uh, it's outdated or cut and paste from the previous test plan. And his solution, 
make sure your hazards and mitigations truly are relevant to the test. Good words to end on. That'll wrap us up for this month. Until next time, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.